0: Welcome to The Future of Work Live, hosted by Mark Salisbury. The Future of Work Live is sponsored by Vitel, your partner for elevating organizational intelligence for innovation and success. Find us at www.vitel.com. Each 25-minute episode with Mark and his guest paints an inspiring picture of what's to come in the world of work.
1: Welcome to The Future of Work Live. I'm Mark Salisbury, your host. Today, Liz Kislick will be my guest and she'll discuss why compassion is so important to our next generation of leaders. All right, so Liz is going to be joining us shortly and she is a management consultant and executive coach and a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes. Her TEDx Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It has received over a half million views. She specializes in developing high-performing leaders and workforces and for 30 years has helped family-run businesses, national nonprofits, Fortune 500 companies like American Express, Girl Scouts, Staples, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, and Highlights for Children and help them solve their thorniest, uh, their thorniest <laughs> problems. Uh, starting off the New Year great here. All right. So go ahead and we will tell, we will welcome Liz to our show. Welcome, Liz.
0: Hi, Mark. Happy New Year.
1: Same to you. And I'm going to introduce to our audience at home, our producer, Mark Trisco. And so we'll let you say hi to us, Mark. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> there it is. So now it's official. Our producer said that it's Happy New Year. So we know it is. So we're very good with that. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and start taking a, a getting right at these questions. And so, you know, the first one I'm going to ask you is what's different about this next generation of leaders?
0: You know, it's so funny thinking it's the next generation of leaders as if people leap in right away you know here i am now i'm a leader um (laughs) of course there is a little bit of that but i think as younger generations come into the workforce the thing that's the most different about them is they're younger certainly than we are but there have always been younger generations coming in Um, often they find that people are not so accepting of their ways. So this generation in particular, what do we see here? So these folks are internet born and bred. (laughs) Um, And that is different. They have an ease and an access and an expectation of being on in ways that many of them are now pushing back against, in fact, as they're operating in workplaces. Um, It's really interesting to see the differences inside the generation, if we want to call it Gen Z, or Zoomers, as some people call it, uh, in terms of what they expect from their leaders, And therefore, how they are starting to behave as leaders. It's really, you know, it's a reflection on us, Mark. Um, Thinking about the models that we have set for leadership, whether it's in the workplace, in the media, in politics, the ways that leaders behave are what these younger people grew up on. Mm -hmm. but that's diverse and becoming more so all the time. So their responses are also a little bit all over the place. The biggest thing about them is that they are younger and older people often resent that, that they don't already know how to function in the workplace, that they don't already know the corporate culture, that they don't already know the tactics and techniques We treat them as if they were supposed to get it from the minute they walked in, (laughs) which certainly isn't how we came up, is it?
1: No, it's not. And so, you know, if I were to look at our next question here, how can we teach them the lead, right, if they're so generationally different? and In other words, they're so inexperienced. How, How do we start on this task?
0: The first thing is, you know, paying attention to what we're doing. Are we leading well and are we modeling in a way that we want them to take on, or is it a certain amount of do what I say, not what I do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as part of the older generations, there's always some of that. Human beings are very complex, and we often have better conceptual thoughts than what we do in our daily practice. So, being clear about our expectations. Uh, I think is one of the biggest things that we can do to help prepare the younger generation. Clarity is something that many Mm -hmm. young people complain about, that they can't get clarity from their bosses. They're not sure what their management wants. So providing clarity to them about how we work individually, how things are done here, where we Mm -hmm. are, Very important, laying out not only task responsibilities, but also cultural responsibilities, how we expect to behave with each other and treat each other. And that's particularly crucial in today's remote and hybrid environments. Hmm.
1: You know, when I think back when I first started working professionally, um, and that's been a while, uh, but uh, I just remember there was this expectation that, you know, you kind of keep your mouth shut. You pay attention, you look around, and then there's this idea that you absorb it, <laughs> you know, that you think about this and you don't slow anyone else down, right? That's the whole thing that you kind of pull yourself up by being observant and being able to adopt to this culture And uh, I think what you're saying is that probably never worked very well. Right. (laughs) And with this generation, maybe we should explicitly teach some of this stuff. Is that what you're saying, Liz?
0: That's certainly part of it. Not only did it not always work very well, um, but also this idea of learning by watching doesn't work for people who have been participating already in non-work environments. Mm. And once people are on social media, they are used to being part of the flow of communications. They are used to asking questions. They are used to sharing their opinions. The idea of being seen and not heard, it's not gonna fly. Mm. And so figuring out how to create participation And as older leaders, how to accept participation we didn't necessarily expect. Mm. That's on the leadership. The funny thing is, everything is on the leadership, of course. That's what you get paid for. You get paid to figure it out so that it works for the people you're leading. When I was new in the workplace, the difference was that as a young person, you had to figure out how to keep your boss happy. Mm. Some of that has really shifted now. Yeah, And the expectation is that if you can't keep a workforce happy, they're going to leave you. I can't tell you how many times as a young person working, as a manager myself, and then as a consultant in a variety of work environments, I have heard some leaders say, we give them a good job. They have to figure out how to do it. Or if they don't work out, we'll find someone else. Mm. Those are not useful ways to proceed anymore.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that I know you wanted to talk about is this whole idea of compassion, so I've been kind of waiting to, to, to bring that up because it's 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 an interesting idea, especially in the workplace. And so I'm going to ask you, why is compassion so important, especially today with this new generation of upcoming leaders?
0: If it's OK, I'm going to talk a little bit about what compassion is first, because I think many people are confused by the idea of compassion because the buzzword that has been more prevalent recently has been empathy Mm. and the importance of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and understanding their experience from their perspective. And what that really is about, what empathy is about is feeling what someone else feels. And that can be really helpful because that's the way you actually come to recognize that they are different from you that their experience is different that what they may want is different and that then you can think about how to work with it but the disadvantage of empathy one of the things that's very prevalent now in discussions in the workplace particularly about gen z is mental health okay and if you only think in terms of empathy and people who are struggling, for example, anxiety is recognized as being much higher in this population. Um, When I was younger, they told you, leaders told you, you were supposed to leave your your personal feelings at the door. Mm -hmm. You were supposed to leave emotional responses home this was explicitly part of the language well that's not the case anymore now we recognize that the whole human being shows up and brings their mental health and their emotional responses with them and we have to be prepared to deal (laughs) if you are fully empathetic and your team member is having a bad day it means you get into that bad day with them
1: Mm
0: so when they are suffering and struggling you're putting yourself in that suffering and struggling too it's really beneficial to be aware of it to care about it and to understand it but not to mire yourself in it because then you can't help them out of it (laughs) and it's hard to know what to do to make a difference compassion is about recognizing what's going on with the other human being and being able to take action in a way that improves their set of circumstance, that is with them, but not the same as them. And that's what leaders more than anybody need to be able to do. Because when your folks are having a hard time, it's on you to figure out how much care do they need emotionally, and how much do they need more clarity, more structure, reframing, so that they can see how to continue with what we do here at work. We may bring our whole selves to work, but that doesn't mean we need to wallow in feelings all day. Work (laughs) is about the work. And compassion lets you be both very caring and very practical.
1: Well, you know, Liz, part of my job here is is uh, to uh, bring up other ways of thinking about it, and particularly traditional ways of thinking about this. And Good. so I would imagine there's a few people watching our show right now who might be going, okay, so I can just really jump into this compassion thing, but I'm really afraid if I deal with the whole employee, I'm going to end up with a whole crew of really wimpy, whiny employees, right? And they're not going to get the job done at the end of the day. So what would you say to them uh, that people who would voice this particular opinion?
0: The first thing I'd wonder about is whether they're projecting whether they feel like they would be wimpy and whiny if they could get away with it, and so they assume everybody else would be too. That is something that can happen when you feel you've been suppressed. And whininess is certainly something, it's a technique that people use of every generation. Don't you know older whiners? I certainly do. Um, It's a technique that people use when they fear that being direct about their needs won't be taken seriously. And so they subvert their observations about the work or their work relationships into this kind of sidebar of whininess. They carry that around with them. And it can serve as a shield. Many of us don't like to deal with whiny people, so we leave them alone. Mm -hmm. We don't want to trigger them. Or Everybody knows that person is whiny, so we deal with them as their whiny self instead of as potentially their best self. A compassionate response would be to notice, oh, you sound kind of unhappy today. Is there anything going on that I ought to know? Is it affecting the work? Can I be helpful to you in some way? There are often structural things that a leader can do Shifting hours, for example, might be one if somebody has a personal problem. So long as they get the work done, that's often okay. Um, Giving them some quiet time, a break, or in today's hectic in-office environments that often do not have a lot of private space, maybe it's important to let somebody be by themselves for just a few minutes to collect themselves and get them back on a more even keel. Maybe the whininess is an indication that they're unhappy with something about their role or responsibilities. Finding out what that is, is worth it. It's a lot easier to encourage them to speak and communicate differently. If you know, they don't hate everything they're doing.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I think one of the things that um, our audience might be thinking about here Mm. is, you know, Sure, it's great to be compassionate and everybody wants to be a better person and all of that. And uh, we want to help our employees, you know, have more rounded lives and all that's really nice. And at the end of the day, and, and you go, what about the bottom line? Right. And I would say that the elephant in the room that we're we're uh, talking about here is that we're not doing the the work that we used to do. We're not doing work where we do the same repetitive thing over and over again. We're not bolting fenders on Thunderbirds in automobile factories. So we're usually asking our people to come up with new and unique kinds of solutions to things that they've never done before. And so we need to give them really as much flexibility uh, to think about different ways of solving these problems as going to meet all of the criteria that we need for a solution that takes a lot of creativity right and people aren't going to be creative if you tell them to just you know tough it up and uh, I'd like this done by 230 and I'd like you know this thing so I, I think that there is a, a basically because of the nature of the work thinking about our employees as a whole person is really not only something that helps us but it's really imperative for really the future of our organizations. And so what would you say to that?
0: I'm having a log log jam of thoughts because you've raised (laughs) so many things. One of the things that came to mind, one of my clients hired a VP, came in at a leadership level, experienced guy, who in an environment that required creative work as you're describing it specified things like where his team members should put the staple in a stapled document Hmm. talk about a kind of old school command and control yeah and it's really interesting you've raised attention mark because we say we want creativity Mm -hmm. we say we want innovation we want big thinking and we do we do but many many leaders also want it the way they're already comfortable Mm -hmm. they don't realize that when you ask someone to be creative they're going to have plenty of thoughts that are not thoughts you have or agree or agree with, and their style of delivery may not be one you're comfortable with. Creativity requires openness from the people who have power and control. And so. Being compassionate to ourselves, I'm bringing compassion back in, I hope you don't mind, being compassionate to ourselves. Oh, this is stressing me out that this, you know, young creative genius I have hired walks around the office without shoes and, you know, doesn't look very well-kempt, perhaps, mm-hmm. and um, babbles a lot. That's very hard for me. Okay. So if we were gonna diagnose that, I would say, and is that young person generating good ideas? Do they understand the business that you're in? Are they able to contribute ideas that support the nature of your business or your business model? Can you see value in what they are delivering? If you can, then it's worth deciding which of their things that bother you you're likely to accommodate And which you actually want them to change and going back to your point of how complex it is it takes time and energy just to have this conversation with yourself just to think about how much of this is me and how much do I need to address in the other person Uh, these can make a leader feel kind of stressed out Mm -hmm. particularly if they have 12 creative geniuses to manage in general if they're not disrupting each other's work, I would probably say leave them alone as much as you can. So long as you've really given them the parameters and work rules, and they're functioning within the system well enough, you kind of get rid of your personal preference Mm -hmm. issues because you're the one with the power to do that. If, however, they are disrupting other people's work, If they're not producing work or if their work is not high quality, then you have to go back to what I think of as some of the management and leadership basics. Have you been clear enough about your expectations? Are they getting support from their colleagues the way they are supposed to? I'm not talking about over the top taking care of. I'm just talking about regular collaboration and things Mm -hmm. like that. Is there unnecessary pressure, crazy deadlines? If they're in meetings all day, they, have to, they don't have enough creative time. Those kinds of things. What are the structural things? Are they in support? And then talking to them about when you exhibit behavior X, it's harder for your colleague to feel comfortable. Can we talk about alternatives? Have you noticed that this is making a problem for you too? Those conversations are the way that you work it out together instead of the old style where the leader would decide shoelessness is no good. <laughs> we must have a rule. Everyone must, ma- must wear shoes, yeah. um, right? So instead of making rules, finding ways to collaborate on the solutions takes longer to yeah. to put in motion, but then usually gets you a better result.
1: Very good. So let's talk a little bit about your website, okay? Where would people be able to find out more about you and what uh, services you offer?
0: Oh, thank you, Mark. So uh, my website is my name, Lizkislick.com, L-I-Z-K-I-S-L-I-K, for the listeners. Um, And there, oh, there's so much material, many, many years of writing about how the workplace operates, conflict and conflict resolution, all the kinds of stuff, the yucky problems that we deal with at work (laughs) every day. Um, And you can find my TEDx there. And actually Mark, some of your audience may be interested. There's a free ebook on the interpersonal aspects of conflict and how to deal with those. Um, And there's my monthly newsletter, weekly blogs, loads of material.
1: Very good. And that takes us kind of to the end of this show, Liz. You just filled it with action-packed stories and information for our users. So what would you say the takeaway is for our audience, if you were to put it in a sentence?
0: I would say that young people are more like young people have always been than not. And that the way to get their best is to be mindful of ourselves and to show compassion for what they need to be able to learn what we want from them in the workplace and therefore grow into the roles and responsibilities that we expect them to carry.
1: Ah, very good. Well, thanks for being on our show, Liz. We really appreciate it. Happy New Year again. And uh, this is where I click on the button and we fade, we fade to the credits.
0: Thanks so, so much, Mark. Yeah, Glad to be with you. it was great
1: you. having you. So thanks for being with us.
0: The Future of Work Live is sponsored by Bytel, your partner for elevating organizational intelligence for innovation and success. Find us at www.bytel.com. You can find previously broadcast The Future of Work Live episodes and video in video and podcast format on www.marksalisbury.com and on the Future of Work YouTube channel. Also, Apple, Spotify, and Google host the podcasts.